Hello, 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 and welcome to episode 72 of Cutscene Convos. This week we've got an absolutely stacked episode. We've got a character profile on Jonathan Kent, as well as rev reviews for The Flash and episode 1 of Secret Invasion. Before we do a little breakdown of the Craven trailer and give uh, Sony our opinions, mm. before we get into a very, very busy week in the Nerd News Network, Lots of things have been discussed and rumoured, and there's there's lots to get into over there. Um, before we wrap it all up with a content championship, which is Andor versus WandaVision, two titans of Disney+. Plus. But for all that good stuff, Horizontal, how's your week been? Hot one again. It's, it's been... so warm. I'm dying. We, we had like one day of thunderstorms. But I don't feel like it light. There was enough lightning, so it was just humid. Yeah, it didn't do anything. No, it like cooled it off for like a day, and then we were right back, rocking up again. Um, yeah, I want my money back. <laughs> it's not. It's not good in a small room. Um, yeah. Very much considering buying one of those like little cube fans that you then fill up with water and put in the freezer. Yeah, based. Yeah, based so, true very tempted to get just a ton of those for the room um other than that i mean the weekend i mean ksp had midwest fest which seemed to go well and was a success for our first like event we put on um some 10 year old won the apex tournament that we put oh, on nuts. um yeah it was some, were, like, they, were they good or was it like you know like you let the random 10 year old win no nah, it was um so it was a free, I think the format was something like a 3v3 sort of TDM style thing. I can't, I don't know the full details, but it was like, uh, at most two pros could, or content creators could team up. They had to pick a random, like a random third. Um, so I can't remember who this 10 year old, the 10 year old was one of our KCP content creators and someone else, but he beat uh, TSM's Verholst. Who's like one of the top players? Um, yeah, I mean, props to the kid. I'm sure he is pretty decent. I mean, in the yeah, game. He, ha he has to be at least above average to even yeah. have a chance of being able to pull that off. So that's pretty cool. Uh, and everything else seemed to go well for that. So that was a cool event to see from a distance. Um, other than that, just been kind of vibing, helping my mate with his house move. Um, prepping for this weekend because then girlfriend's moving into where she's staying. Went to see the Flash. We had Secret Invasion, so lots of content. Extra Pint came out. Yeah, that we was got a fun to play waiting three room. Whole games. Yeah, that was a fun <laughs> waiting room situation for anyone that's been trying to play Extra Pint. Um, and yeah, other than that, just kind of chilling, not doing too much because of the heat. And frankly, it's, I don't need to. Unbearable. Yeah, it's unbearable. Like, like I seem to feel like I brag every week. My little workshop has aircon, so like at work, I feel Bless. like a human. Yeah. And then I get in my car, which like there's nowhere to park in the shade where I work. Oh. So it's just exposed to a sun. So I look at my watch. I'm like, oh, it's 25 degrees. That's not too bad. I just get in my car. I'll be fine. Get nope. in my car. Turn it on. The thermostat in my car says it's like 38. Mm -hmm. So I'm like aircon on max. Hopefully I don't die. At least, at least you've got aircon. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I'm I'm very lucky in that sense. I don't know how people are getting through this with like less than what I've got. 
because I'm struggling. But yeah, I mean, that's been my week. And it seems like your week's been quite cool at work. Yes. Um, work's been alright this week. It's just been... You know you've got them parts of your job that are just repetitive and just like, mm. no matter what, that's what I'm doing if nothing else comes up. Yeah. Um, That's what I've been doing a week, essentially. Um, But girlfriend's been away on holiday with her friends um which has meant i have to wake up and realize i'm going on holiday in like two weeks so like i ordered a bunch of clothes for the holiday because surprisingly i don't have a lot of summer clothes um smart definitely they all arrived today fortunately they all fit which is good because if they didn't fit we're in panic zones um but yeah now now i'm just like it's just been a really quiet week wind down to yeah. holidays. I need a break. I'm, I'm literally I'm I'm getting in my car on like mean? at like two o'clock Tuesday morning. A, I'm driving to the airport. Break all the and... way through May. <laughs> You're away every other week. It's not the same, is it? I I'm I'm going to be unreachable. You better ask any questions you have of me before I go away because I plan to have a cocktail in my hand for a week straight. Not the same one. <laughs> I would hope more than one. You walk around like a statue the entire week yeah. from a cocktail. It's just actually not filled with anything drinkable. Yeah. It's just fake. Uh, yeah, well. it's all good. Right. Should we get into our, our, our third <laughs> uh, Pride Month character profile? Yes. Let's. Woo, 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 woo. <laughs> um, this week is Jonathan Kent. Um, as always with DC, I'd like to clarify all of the parts of this story, as far as I know, are post rebirth. So anything okay. before rebirth uh, may or may not exist anymore. Right. Um, so Jonathan Samuel or John Kent mm. is Superman. Okay. Uh, currently, Superman. Okay. First appearance in Convergence Superman at number two in July 15. I think he existed before that. I think that's his first re- post-rebirth appearance. Don't quote me, though. Right. He is the eldest son to Clark Kent and Lois Lane. Um, He was born shortly after his parents' wedding and during an alien invasion. Huh. Fitting. Clark was told by Martian Manhunter and John Stewart Green Lantern to, mm. to go go to the birth of your child. We've got this covered. Don't worry about it. Um, nice. During the birth, Batman and Wonder Woman guarded the fortress, um, oh, okay. and and discussed the child's future potential with Clark's <laughs> abilities and Lois's mind. Oh, classic Batman! The most Batman thing possible. It's like, okay, so when he turns eighteen, eighteen, <laughs> you think Batman yeah, will wait till eighteen? <laughs> When he turns 18, he can start doing like missions by himself. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, by um, five, we'll get him on the training martial arts. Yeah. Uh, John was John was named in honor of both of his earthly grandfathers. John obviously oh, okay. being for Jonathan Kent, Samuel being Lois's father's name. Yeah. Um, he would for a time grow up unaware of his father and how famous his mother was as a reporter. Um, because they wanted to ha- him to have a normal life. Um, this was until him and his mother were kidnapped. Um, Clark saved them, mm. and then they explained to John what was happening. 
Oh, yeah, by the way, your dad's Superman. Yeah. <laughs> uh, shortly after this, his powers began to emerge, starting okay. with heat vision, which accidentally cost them the family cat. Ooh. Yeah. Um, one of, I think, the most popular modern comics um, is The Super Sons, which is John Kent as Superboy and Damian Wayne as Robin. Um, oh. So there's a very famous comic line called World's Finest, which is basically a Batman and Superman like comic. Yeah. It's just them two off together being fucking awesome. Super Sons was like the successor to that. Okay. Um or a spiritual successor. Yeah, that's cool. However, things weren't always good between John and Damien. It was actually ironically very similar to Batman and Superman's relationship to start with. Batman being very uneasy about this giant alien flying about who if he wanted to could destroy everything can i'm not sure i just want to take his word that he's a good guy yeah so what you had was you had damien doing the same he was keeping an eye on john he was making sure that he could be trusted etc etc um john while still getting to grips with his powers accidentally started a small forest fire um (laughs) which justice league members sorted out pretty quickly um but then it became aware that damien informed the Justice League because he'd been watching John. Ah. Which led to a headbutt between Bruce and Clark. Ah. Because they've been here yep. before. Yeah. Um it was actually John that caused them to snap back into it. Because mm. he used his ice breath to like force them apart. Oh. At which point they realised they were both parents now <laughs> and they they created like fake missions that the kids had to complete together. Uh, okay. To learn how to be friends and how to work together, yeah, um, they failed them all miserably. Nice, and and then when their parents were actually in danger, they managed to get over it when it mattered. It then turned out that that was also fake. Oh, um, but it was just made to seem more real, and it was at that point that Alfred dubbed them the Super Sons. Oh, smart man. Um, so John and Damien have a very very close relationship. Ironically, John also idolizes Nightwing. Oh. Because once upon a time when he went flying for the first time by himself, he got lost in the night and he had to like he used his heat vision to like create a cave he could hide in. Oh, okay. And it was Batman and Dick that found him, but Batman was intimidating as fuck, so it was Dick who actually went in to get him out and let him know that he was going to be okay. And from that moment on, John was like, you're a cool dude, I trust you. Um, which is valid. I don't think anyone dislikes Dick Grayson. He seems to be that that guy that everyone's yeah. like, I like Dick. Sound. Um, <laughs> that, that was Jake's yeah. million accent. Just gonna, just gonna yeah. chop that right there. Yeah. New uh, voice, voice clip for us. Son of a bitch. Um, oh. When Clark had to leave Earth to deal with extraterrestrial threats that were mounting, that is when John took up the mantle of Superman. Okay. Um, There was a bit of time where John struggled with being Superman, though. He was struggling to understand, like, how he fit into the world of Superman when it comes to authority and the police and Mm. am I a vigilante? Do I work with the government? What do I do? Um... During this, uh, Damien pointed him in the direction of an underground stream called The Truth, which was essentially an investigative reporter 
the told stories that companies were suppressing. Okay. Um, which John would then use to act on and help people. Right. Um, later on, John learned that the author creator of the truth was Jay Nakamura, who he'd previously saved when they were at university together. Um, and Jay Nakamura currently is his boyfriend. Oh. Um, John is bisexual. Okay. Um, I'm not sure. People will probably remember um, certain idiots on Twitter lost their ever-loving shit, I want to say about a year and a half ago, because the headline was, Superman is gay! When in reality, John was Superman. Yeah. And okay. he had just come out as bisexual <clears throat> with his boyfriend. Got you. So people lost their ever-loving mind because, you know, heaven forbid. Everyone's like, oh my god, Clark Kent? I mean, wait till these people realise that they're there with a Nazi flag and Superman is literally Jewish coded. Like, come on now. Superman's Jewish, guys. <laughs> like, come on now. Yeah. Any, any, anyone who's like even remotely Nazi sympathetic, A, die in a hole. B, <laughs> any superhero you've ever loved is probably Jewish coded. <laughs> yeah. Because guess what? They had some shit in the 40s that they really struggled to get through and they felt like fucking superheroes for getting through it. <laughs> yeah? Yeah. Um, but yeah, Jonathan Kent's a really interesting character. Yeah, that's and cool. like, actually, if James Gunn, well, we know James Gunn's doing Brave and the Bold, which is looking to feature Damian Wayne mm. and Superman Legacy, at some point in the future, I wouldn't be against a Super Sons film. No. I, I think that could be really cool. Isn't there, there's the current TV show or something, isn't there? With Superman, uh, Superman and, his... and Lois. Is that I presume that has Jonathan Kent then? That they have two sons in that. Yeah. Um, Jonathan is the oldest. Okay. Based on what I've seen of it, I've only seen like the first half of the first season. Um, the younger son, whose name I've forgotten, is the one with powers, and the older son doesn't have powers. Oh. Um, but yeah, no, like that there is a show that deals with the Superman family dynamic that is very good. The first half season I've watched of it before I got distracted, as I always do, was very, very good, and I'm enjoying it quite a lot. Yeah, the f- I've seen the odd clip of it, and it looked looked pretty solid, especially seasons for CW one and two are on BBC iPlayer. Oh, okay. Um, if anyone wants to go watch that, good to know. Right, the Flash. The Flash. I have uh, thoughts. Me too. I would like us to focus on the positives first. Okay. Because overall, I do have a positive opinion, but I'm always more aggressive about my negative opinion. So if we start with the negatives, it will seem like I despise this film, and that is not the message I want to put across. Understandable. Okay. Um, overall, it is really good. I think it is 80% a perfect film. Unfortunately, that 20% is very aggressively bad. I, so I've always, the the whole run up to this, you've been highly optimistic because you want it to be good because it's Flash. I've been very much on the fence, unsure if they were actually going to pull off something good. 
it definitely beat my expectations. Well, that's a good start. And I don't know if I would quite say it was 80%. Like, I'd be more like maybe 70, 75. Lower, lower than you. I agree. There was a... I feel like it had a very solid core to the film. And did a lot of things better than a lot of DC films. But, like you say, there's just like a chunk of a few very solid issues that I feel pull it. Unfortunately, really takes away from how good the so the core plot is. Yeah. Which is... It's one of those. Um, I think overall, it is definitely one of the best DC films we've done in a while. I think it's done well considering the um how should we put it the mess that is the DCU and it's kind of hard to handle being part of. I'm able to look past the Ezra Miller thing. We we will keep that separate. I think we both yes. are good enough to keep our views on Ezra Miller separate to the film itself. I yep. think too many other people worked very hard on that film yes. for us to cast it aside based on one individual's actions, which hopefully they do get punished for. Yeah. Or at least the Something justice system takes place. Yes. Um, but yeah, like I said, I feel like it has a very solid... I feel like the core plot of the film was really good. I, I mean, really liked the storyline that they were going for. Let's be clear. Flashpoint is a masterpiece. Yeah, it's a good... Um, I do wish there was some slight... So they, they, they did the Flashpoint story at its core, but they mm. made a number of large changes. Right. Um. So first and foremost, it's not Batman as we know him in Flashpoint. Right. It's Thomas Wayne. Okay. So, so very famously, everyone will have seen at some point on Twitter, oh, what about this universe where... Uh, Bruce died, and Batman was his dad, and his mum became the Joker. Oh, yeah, yeah. that's that. That's Flashpoint universe. Oh, okay. Um, so yeah, so the really brutal gun tote in Batman that's Thomas mm. Wayne is Flashpoint, right? Um, yeah. and Wonder Woman and Aquaman uh -huh. do exist, and they're at war with each other, and it's destroying the rest of the world. Right. Okay. Um, Cyborg exists uh -huh. and he's essentially a government agent who's trying right. to recruit Batman into helping. Okay. Um, but he then turns on the government when they discover Superman who is in the same situation as Supergirl was in. When he crash landed, right. the government abducted him and threw him in a cage for his entire existence. Got you. Um, so they changed a couple of bits. The biggest bit, and the only bit I'm actually upset they changed, was the the complete lack of reverse flash. Yeah, it was always that, that upset me. I'm surprised that, considering how it felt like things were being portrayed, it felt like we were gonna have like from the trailers, especially with like the coloring and different things. It kind of felt like it was leaning into we're going to have a reverse flash here. Yeah. And I think at the end, if the twist would have been not Barry 2 essentially becoming like a Savitar style character for those who watch CW, 
but instead he revealed that he was reverse flash and he's just been laughing at barry this entire time yeah that's well, I so think that could have hit really well yeah and i think that plays into like one of the thing issues i felt which we essentially got dark flash yes but just different version of flash um we got barry allen instead of wally west is it or wallace yeah. west for dark flash yeah. I felt like that. I don't. I. I. It felt kind of jammed in there. It didn't feel like they paid off properly with that. Like they. They were building up like, oh, he got booted out by some scary ass looking thing, um, and then it all like when it got revealed that oh, it's just Barry been trying this whole time, and it's like, but then he like kills himself and it's all over. I was like, when oh. when did you realize it was Barry? So at first, so when he first was shown and he like kicks him out, and then he was having nightmares, mm-hmm. I was thinking it was them playing either on um, Death Flash because it's the only person that's in the catch up yeah, to Black Flash, or the idea that the CW shows had, which was the Time Wraiths. I thought they were playing maybe on that because he's fucking with time. I kind of clicked after a couple of attempts at refixing. He was getting more shards in him. And then we like kind of saw another vision of the guy covered. I was like, okay, it's it's going to be him. It like was when just... Barry got the first shard, the massive one. Mm. Um, and, he, and, and, and he got that little bit crazy. It was like, no, we've got to go again. I was like, oh shit, I see how this is going to go. Yeah. And I just felt like the, the end of it was like a very quick like yes. wrap up. And it's like, you kind of could have played into it more. And I think you're right. Had they gone the route of making him reverse Flash and have him like fail at this and then essentially like he's like he escapes into like time so and it's the, like the he's way, forever going to be annoying him the way i could have seen it going which i think would have worked with like as few tweaks as possible to earlier in the story yeah of course if you go that way there would have been after like been little mm. tweaks here and there but i think the idea is when they're in the chrono ball and barry realizes no we have to reset it mm. you just have him reveal himself as you bob board and just laugh and it was like ha you finally realize that your mother has to die and the best bit is now you get to go back and watch me kill her so that because in this world barry has no idea who's killed his mother yet yeah true and he can go wait what the fuck and then you can get like a fight scene of them going backwards and forwards and then you get barry beating him and then he goes but you've still got to let her die and i just think that would have been the perfect example of reverse flash in that idea of yeah you can beat me all you want but guess what i've still killed your mother i've still ruined your life it's already happened and you can't kill me and still be a hero yeah that actually would have i agree i think that would have been a better kind of development of that of his the other flash into reverse flash than having him be dark flash and then he just gets like offed by the end of the film yeah 100 i think that would have made that really would have rounded out 
the kind of core storyline that Barry was dealing with of like he can't fuck with time and he has to accept what happens. Um but what yeah, I will say. Well, oh, no, no, you, no go. you go. You go. One mind's a tangent, you finish. Well, I was just gonna start getting into a few other issues, so maybe oh, okay, no, maybe I'm go on your tangent. Um what I will say is the the film genuinely managed to surprise both of us. Because we knew there were cameos in this film, and both of us sat here and said, "Well, we know for one thing, they won't have George Clooney back." <laughs> I was genuinely shook. I know a lot of people so was I. moaned about it, but when when he's on the phone outside the courthouse, mm. I, I I I listened to him at first. I was I like, it doesn't sound right, but I was like, oh, it's just the phone. Yeah, and then I was like, wait a second, that voice feels familiar, but I not see, Ben Affleck. And I was like, wait, there's no fucking way they've actually got George Clooney. And then you see him walk through him and he like he looks so good. Like he is aged well, phenomenally well. It's George Clooney. And I'm like, holy shit, they actually got George Clooney to come back and be Bruce Wayne. I was like, Yeah, we both have said and we've talked about the fact that George Clooney has like ridiculed that film and kind of said he yeah. never would come back as Batman or anything. Yeah. He's like, I apologize, I will never ever try and be Batman again. And it's like yeah, he, he steps out of the car and it's like, I was like, wait, what the fuck? It's George Clooney? I was yeah. like, hang on. How? I was like, they've convinced him? Like, how have they? A big bag of money. I mean, even so, I feel like they he had to be sold enough, obviously, on like the whole idea of it. But it's like, God, the fact that they've convinced him to be like, do you know what I think it was? They've said, you just need to come back as Bruce. You don't have to be the Batman with the suit and everything. Just come back as Bruce. He's like, okay, I can do that. I just have to suit up and I'm fine. But yeah, that was also, I did enjoy that, that it's like, even though Barry, you kind of sold on this idea that like, oh, he changed the one little thing that he's got away with it. And it's all worked out. Okay, he's figured out how to like fuck around with this time shit. And then it's like, oh no, by the way, no, he's still fucked everything up. Like he still hasn't learned that he can't do nothing. I really enjoyed their explanation of how the uni- of how time works. And it's every individual decision you make creates this multiverse of decisions. Yes. And some of them follow right alongside each other and just have little differences. Yeah. And some of them are like Yeah, they do the cross. Yeah. Are completely different with only one thing the same. Um I really like that explanation. It gives you a lot of freedom to tell very different stories that I can think about mm. it too much. Yeah. Very, very smart. My big issue is the people who've decided their issue is with the cameo selection. I mean, there's only one it, that's kind of like, why? So, what it is, is so the courthouse scene at the very end. Yes. There was three versions of that filmed. Okay. So you had the one with George Clooney, which is what we got. Yeah. You had one that was going to be Supergirl and Michael Keaton. Okay. And then you had one that was going to be Supergirl, Michael Keaton, Henry Cavill, and Gal Gadot. Oh, whoa. And people are really angry that they didn't get to say goodbye to Henry Cavill. And I understand that logic. However, there is a gaping fucking hole with it. Schneider fans are gonna shout and scream about the dcu for as long as people will listen 
So the quicker you can get the casual fans detached from their old Superman, yeah, the better. Which is why the cameos being characters from 20 years ago, yeah. everyone knows aren't coming back, is fine. I do, however, have a slight issue with the George Reeves cameo, who was like the Superman in the 50s. Right. Oh, is this the whole, they recreated him? Well, yeah, the, the, the situation around his death is still right. not 100% clear what happened. And right. a lot of people believe he committed suicide because of the pressure of being Superman. Oh. So a lot of people thought it was quite disrespectful to use his likeness for a throwaway cameo. Yeah, I can understand that. And some people were also angry about the Christopher Reeves cameo. Because right. there is an interview of him before his accident, which meant he obviously stopped being Superman, um, where he said the idea of taking someone's face and using it didn't sit right with him. Right. He'd rather he'd rather actors get to act. Yeah. Granted, this was like from the seventies before this level of technology was ever possible. Yeah. So that I have less of an issue with. The issue I have is just the use of CGI for camo cameos in general. It was yeah. proper Uncanny Valley. Well, the whole Chrono Ball was Uncanny Valley. So, and this but is another this thing. Is where we're going to start getting into yeah. the problems we have for so, this. So, inside the Chrono Ball, the yep. director mm -hmm. said the reason it looked like that was a stylistic choice. And I can respect that. What I will say, it was a dog shit style choice. If that's the style you went for, fine. If you're happy with the style and it reflects what you wanted, cool, that's fine. I'm going to sit here and just say it was a bad decision then. Yeah, the, this is the thing. It's like, okay, sure, it's, if that was what your intention was, that's fine. But also, you can't be mad if the majority, if like <laughs> well, if the majority of the viewers think that was a bad choice. Mm. Like, if the majority of the viewers are like, yeah, but that idea that you've had doesn't work in our view, he needs to be like, okay, fine. Like, take it on the chin and be like, well, it was a choice and it didn't resonate. Fine. And the Chrono Ball, like, I, I, personally, I didn't like the choice they went with it. Like, I liked, so I've mixed on it. I didn't like how they did the CGI for like, and I get that they were trying to make it look weird because it's meant to be memories. I like the whole doing it in the Chrono Bowl. Like the that, Chrono that, Bowl concept was good. Yeah. And essentially mirroring like how DC Comics does it with the Earths all lined up. And it's like, that was the idea with the different globes. It's the different Earths. It's kind of showing DC's view of the multiverse. I like that. The different colors, I'm just, to me, was just purely so you could tell they're different. I know some people are like, well, why are they all different colors and stuff? Yeah. The, the whole, like, I think he could have got away with that style. There was just points where it looked especially bad when he kind of went, like, you go into a view from the side of the Chrono Bowl, and it's like, you really can tell that they're, like, felt, like, bad just, like, when someone on YouTube does, like, a projection map of a person's face onto, like, a bit of a basic CG model, and it always it's, looks really janky. 
it felt like something that 10 years ago, if someone in their bedroom put on YouTube, you go, wow, this is, look how far technology is coming. You can do this in a bedroom. I, I, I know what it looks like. It's literally, so I don't know if you've ever seen when someone gets 3D scanned, it's like, takes like an image of them and like plasters it onto like a, and it like, but it's still all like all over the place. Because and it has like, right. yeah, because it's scanned and it's like got artifacts and issues. Usually they would go and clean up. It's like they've done the 3D scan of people and then just slap that straight in. Got ya. It's like a weird, um, weird, like... Yeah. With that being a style choice, I don't want to complain about the CGI because the CGI might have been what they were intending and we just don't like the style. Where I yeah. am going to complain about the CGI is the very first fucking scene. The, the running looked weird. The running looked weird. I'm more concerned about the babies and the hospital. Well, that, again, is another... So, me and... I, I thought I was going crazy at first. Me and Jenna agreed on this, though. The dog, when falling, yeah, looked like a big Alsatian breed. Yes. And then, all of a sudden, when it's landed, it's a tiny, like, Jack Russell dog. Yeah. Uh, me and Jenna both, I shit you not, while in the cinema, just kind of looked at you up like, that's a different dog. Yeah, no, no, no. I, like I saw the service dog, and I'm thinking like, oh, it's one of the like the big service dogs that like you see around. Like, the cool. The snout was longer, and the tongue was massive, and uh, and then yeah. it's like it landed, and I was like, I wasn't expecting that on top of the microwave. <laughs> that's, that's not where I thought the and, dog was going to be. And even if we try and give him a pass for the style for just running again, what just cannot get a pass is when he opens the microwave with the baby in it. And you have the most animated-looking thing that has ever been animated in the microwave. The babies were weird. Because, like, it's obvious that it's all CG. Like, it's just, you can't, like... There was too many close-ups of the babies that it's like, you just can't sell it. The running... I mean, I've never been a fan of how he does it. It's... It's weird. So I have this weird thing with the this how they do the CGI for the flash running. Because there's when he's ramping up and you can see his legs getting faster, I'm like, that looks good. And then it's like then when he hits like this ice skating. Yeah, and it's like it just looks like your like when a video game mistimes the animation with the movement speed and it looks like they're skating along the floor. Yeah. It does that. And then we got weird like when he was running to Gotham, obviously, they tried to showcase how far he was running. But then we get these, like, weird, like, far-out shots where you can see him doing the same, like, slow run, but the landscape's just flying back, and it looks off. I, I, I get what you're saying. So this, I do think, is a style choice. And again, you're yeah. 100% right to dislike it. I don't think that was necessarily a CG issue as much as it was a style issue. Yeah, okay. So, yeah. They they seem to have gone for the idea that he builds up speed, and then he's sprinting like me or you would sprint. Yeah, but and he's like gliding along because like his body is physically able to traverse faster. Well, yeah, I think again, what they're trying to show is he can process it. His processing time is like that, as if he's running at that speed. Yeah. I think it's what because, they're going for, but it's just, it just comes across weird. Because what you get is, you've got to imagine, when you're running, mm. there are periods of time where you're not touching the floor. Oh, yeah. So I think they're going for more the idea, well, his legs are only so long, 
and he's just going so fast that by the time his leg next lands, he's gone well, like yeah. 500 yards. Um, I don't personally like that style. I like the idea more of his legs move super fast. Yeah. Um, but as stupid as it sounds, because it still looks wonky anyway, I think the idea would be if we try and make his legs look like they're moving super fast, that could look really bad. Well, you and know, I thought well, they were like, well, if we go for the ice skating style, it will probably look fine, and it just didn't work. Hit, the thing that I think would fix it isn't you necessarily have to make it so the legs are moving fast. You add like um, as if there's like a frame rate blur on his legs, then you get the feel that like, oh, there's like his legs are moving re- like when a propeller moves really quick, yeah. and then you get the weird like stuttering effect. Yeah. Do that with his legs, and I think that would fix it. I 100% agree. But unfortunately, again, I don't think that's actually a CG issue. I think it's a style issue. Well, yeah. I um, think and, this, and this is the problem. Yeah. The, the director's style choices around how the CG should look hasn't hit. Yeah. And that's... That's fine. Like, he needs to take that on the chin. And it's like, okay, we can accept it. If that's your style choice, cool. But we don't like it. That's our opinions. One issue that I have with, so the plot was great, and I get that obviously Flashpoint relies on a lot of the other characters as well. It felt very heavy on Batman at one point. And I felt like they lent on the post of having old Batman back and relying too heavily on all that stuff to keep people happy that we then ended up in this weird jumpy choppy bit where it was like, ah, Batman time. No, we're back to the Flash story, like deep, important. Oh, and we're back to Batman stuff. Um, And then it lost that core plot. I I, I think that's completely fair. That's completely fair. And I think that's why it would have benefited with Thomas Wayne instead, because you don't have people excited to see Batman. You're like, oh, this is Batman, but it's not Batman, so it's fine. Yeah. What I will say is, I forget the actress's name. Supergirl, mm. phenomenal. Oh yeah, I thought she was great. Um, needs to keep the role of Supergirl. See, yeah, see, this was something I was like, I thought she was great. I know I'd read something that she would like to be able to stay, like she really enjoyed playing Supergirl. I think knowing that James Gunn is going with a Supergirl that watched Krypton get destroyed and obviously is in a similar mindset. And yeah. kind of vibe, she would fit like just the same. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, um, I I think the, and I think this is why this film's disappointed me so much because I had high expectations, and I'm just sat here, and I'm like, like it a handful of decisions made slightly differently, and I'm like, holy shit, we've actually gone free for free. Mm-hmm. Even if um, they changed some things, I don't think it would have quite been. But and I'm just, yeah, it, it's it's really really annoying. Do you know what I also felt? It kind of felt like the cameos of having like Wonder Woman in, and some of the weird ones in the Chrono Balls. Um, it felt very much like Warner Brothers were like, hey. Marvel made a ton of money because they brought back old actors and everyone loved it. Uh, 
why are you guys why don't you guys do the same that'll make us money right and then they chucked in a bunch of cameos and it's like it kind of felt like you were throwing cameos in for the sake of cameos um and considering they they streamlined that list as well they originally planned to have way more i think i think they chose the wrong cameo so let, let me let me try and break this down in the way that makes the most sense to me okay Professor X in Multiverse of Madness being played by Patrick Stewart. Mm. For people our age, they are some of the first superhero films we saw. That is a huge cameo. Yes. Same as Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire. Yes. Nicolas Cage playing Superman again from a film you probably don't even, weren't even aware of. I know Jenna wasn't aware of it. I'm only barely aware of it. Well, I didn't think he'd done a film. I thought it was from a test screening. Yeah, yeah, that, that's what oh, I mean. Yeah, yeah. So it was going to be a film called Superman Lives. Yeah, it with was Nicolas Cage as Superman. And he did there, a test. And there was in a suit. test screening, and there are famous pictures of him in the suit, which do which look really good. That is such a niche reference. Yeah, well, and the spider thing is a niche reference because the yeah. director guy was like, "Well, we'll do it on, oh, but these three things need to happen." And it's like the third one is like in the second act, he has to fight a spider. Yeah, and it's like we didn't need that. Um, the the Adam West reference will have gone over a lot of people's heads. Yeah, because it didn't show it properly. Yeah, the the Christopher Reeves reference. Anyone kind of younger than us and who is a casual fan and not a mega nerd, mm. not going to understand that reference at all. Yeah, I think they'd have been better off going with a Christian Bale reference. Uh. Uh, Grant Gustin reference. Yeah. Keep stuff keep stuff like this century. I yeah, no, I think you're right. I think they've tried to and uh, do you know what I think it is? Because DC knows they've been getting hounded by the comic fans because their films have been so bad. They're like, oh we'll do cameos that like are for the comic fans and then like the hardcore fans. But then it's like, that just doesn't hit. Like, sure, there'll be a lot of, I'm sure there's a bunch of comic book fans that are like, oh my God, they put that really, like, Nicolas Cage, Bruce Superman, and like some old ref, like, cool. But the majority of the audience will be like, why is Nicolas Cage here? But there, there were some people tweeting afterwards who were like, was that fucking Nicolas Cage? What was oh he yeah, the, well the CGI of him looked weird yeah. as well. So they're like, A, was that Nicolas Cage? B, why was that Nicolas Cage? And it's like, they are not too... You don't want people coming out asking questions Focused on Nicolas Cage. Yeah, about uh, asking questions about what's supposed to be like this poetic full stop on your main talking point. Yeah. Yeah, they, they, they missed the mark on a lot of small things, which unfortunately were in quite important places and it added up. Yeah. I also... The post credit scene. Which yeah. you warned me did was. You, did I did stop. Of course I did. I like. I have to. I knew from your. You'd warned me that like. Oh, it's kind of pointless. It's not worth watching. Yeah. It just. To me it screamed. Uh, uh, by the way. We, we have Aquaman 2 coming. Don't forget yeah. about Aquaman 2. We know you're all yeah. obsessed with James Gunn. But Aquaman 2. That's all it felt like. Yeah. Which is a shame. Because uh, I love Jason Momoa. But. It's. um. 
I, I think I can sum it up best by saying this film shone brightest when they let the story and the characters interacting take center stage. When it was actually about Flash. Yeah. When when you had Barry and Barry interacting, when you had them interacting with Michael Keaton, when you had them interacting with Supergirl, and it was just like conversations, the film was genuinely so good. Yeah, it was. And I, I don't think I've ever seen a superhero film before where I'm like, damn it, the action ruined it. Do you know what else I didn't realise at the time? Go on. There was a huge editing mistake. Or laziness. So just before they run off to do their super speed bit in the final battle, mm. we you get a come on Barbie, and then Barry 2 says, let's go party. Yeah. Originally, they had the Barbie Girl soundtrack play as the music after that, but they didn't get the rights to use it in the theatrical cut. So they cut the music out, but left that line in. <laughs> Okay, so that explains why that felt weird. Yes, because after that it was supposed... And that would have probably elevated the scene, because I'm a sucker for that song. Well, um, But yeah, it was supposed to then launch into a... Come on, Barbie. I'm, that, I'm sure if anyone wants to go Google it, you can probably find it on YouTube with the song behind it, as it was supposed to yeah, be. Yeah, probably. Um, okay, that yeah, makes so more You just had that line that was out of nowhere, and they just couldn't be asked to take it out, because they had no other way of launching into that action sequence. Yeah, and they couldn't refilm anything because everything that was going on. Yeah. Ah, sorry. I was trying to think. There was another major CGI issue I had that can't be attributed to stylistic choices. Okay. There are too many shots where you've got the berries next to each other where you can tell one of them is superimposed into the other one's footage. It looked like mid two thousands Disney Channel. Yeah. In 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 early mid two thousands Disney Channel, you'd get a shot like that and you go, it doesn't look great, but it's a TV show for kids, who cares? Then it got really good and you wouldn't notice that they were no. two different shots. And all of a sudden it was like I could genuinely draw a line down the screen or point out who was put in the shot. That shows recuts and having to recompose position stuff and just not yeah not doing um, which, which, which again is just disappointing yeah um and i think that, i think that's the perfect way to describe it, it's disappointing which is crazy when i still have this as like a high six low seven rated film but i think is genuinely pretty fucking good that i can still sit and be like there was so much more they left so much quality on the table that kind of sums up the dceu yes and it's like, and I saw something which like this was not how like they they failed at wrapping it up, and it's like in a way actually they wrapped it up exactly how the whole thing was, a disappointment, like an unfinished mess. Yeah. Um, the DCEU was that bowl of spaghetti. Um, the problem is you've got James Gunn loyalist going. Yeah. See, this is Zack Schneider's le- legacy. The DCU was shit. James Gunn's going to save us. Mm-hmm. And then you've got the Schneider loyalist going, look what James Gunn has done. The Flash was brilliant under Zack Schneider, and he's ruined it, even though James Gunn has no credits on this film at all. And it's just kind of like, lads, you're all just pissing in the wind here. You, what, why are people being so loyal to a director who doesn't care about them? Do you know what's also wild? The Flash director wants a second film. 
I mean, he's getting a second film. It's called Batman the Brave and the Bold. <laughs> no, but he wants he wants to do another Flash film. Yeah, which he wants to make the reverse Flash the villain of. We're not. It's not getting a it's, No, it's not. Which is just funny to me because it's like, cool. The director wants a sequel. It ain't happening. Like it just does. Like James Gunn's not gonna let that happen. What I will say is, I think without the time constraints that the Flash ended up having on it, which I know sounds ridiculous for all the delays, but it ended up still being rushed. Yeah. Because of the director changes, I do think this director can be good for mm. Batman: The Brave and the Bold. Oh yeah, I think he needs a um. In the nicest way, he needs a better post-production head who has a better yeah. eye for CGI styling. I think I could make a lot of money and add a lot of value to production by being the guy that these creative people bounce ideas off of. And just let me just sit there and go, that is a terrible idea. Do not do that. Or go, yes, there you go. That's what you want to do. That looks good. Yeah. I, I, I have no talent, but I have a good eye. <laughs> Just one, this one shit. Yeah, I, I do agree. I think the director will make good DCU films. Yeah. I think um, he has a good solid like understanding of what makes a good superhero film. He just didn't have ta- chance to deliver yeah. properly. It, it wasn't his film from the beginning, which I think is where problems always arise. Yeah. Um On Secret Invasion, episode one. Mmm, what a what an episode. What an my, opener. My god. Um, do you want to talk about the controversy off the rip? I mean, sure. Let's start. With, I'm happy to start wherever. The opening credits are generated using AI. As an artist who has watched this AI thing, and I've played around with it, I think it's such a tough topic to. There's people that just see the word AI and instantly are like, oh, AI is bad. AI uh, is becoming a new crypto very quickly. Yes. And this was proven when I saw a thing going around Twitter, which got shut down very quickly by artists. But someone was like, oh my God, AI is already stealing jobs. It was used on Spider-Verse. Because it's used to redo a lot of like the facial lines, because that is a very repetitive task, which is very boring for an artist to do. And it's actually helping speed up the creative process in a good way. And everyone's like, no, this is all the all loads of artists kept quote retweeting and like, no, this is called ethical AI. This is what we want. We need to be mad at generative AI. Now, the title sequence is generative AI, but it's done by a studio and it's done, in my opinion, for a specific style choice of that look that plays very much into the whole like shape shifting and allows this like weird flow between like what objects are changing shape and stuff. I think it works perfectly for what the show is. I have no issue with them using AI in that way because I know artists have been behind it and put it together. So I think my, my thoughts are, I think over the course of the AI discussion over the last couple of months, I've, I've come to where I stand roughly. Um, AI should have always only been used to take a repetitive task and make it so a human doesn't have to want to blow their brains out doing it. Hmm. Anything creative, anything that requires actual brain power and actual thought should be left to a human. 
and in the grand scheme of just the world, what that should then allow humans to do is focus on more important stuff, like mm-hmm. actually making the art, and they don't have to worry about re- like for a three D model or whatever, where you have to like redraw it like at one degree. You can set an AR to do that really repetitive task, and you can just double check its work to make your life easier. Mm-hmm. And like AI to do spell check with like additional context or whatever. Mm-hmm. For like where the English language is shit. That is good uses. Or if if there was like for my job, a machine where I could put what I'm working on and it could use AI to diagnose any problems with it and then just tell me what needs to be repaired. Perfect. Save time for the human, not get rid of their job. There's for the AR side of things, there is a lot of good use cases for AI in that are used in the creative process. The issue I have with AI is when these sites pop up that like you generate AI with a word prompt. And the issue is actually like the real issue that people need to remind themselves that like we want to focus on is these sites that do this by scrubbing the internet for images, reference images for their database without getting any permission. That's the issue that people have. And it's mainly from generative AI. Now, to me, that title sequence was very specific in what the things it was showing. It was very specific in getting that style of shifting things between, which would be very difficult for an artist to do or very time consuming. So I don't think it's bad that AI did that. I think an artist has definitely driven that in the right direction and used it in the right way. Um, Because while, yes, an artist could have done that, it would have been a lot of effort to get it to have that same feel. Yeah. So I think I agree with you there. I think as long as there was still, like, as long as, and this is the biggest crux, as long as no one lost their job because of it. Well, no, it's a studio called Method Studios do it. I, I, I actually kind of agree. I like it. It, it 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 made me feel a bit uneasy because it looked mm. a bit weird and you had like these like morphing from one thing into another and it did capture the whole essence of what's going on really yep. well yeah it looked a bit goofy but i'm sorry we're watching a show about aliens who are angry that a superhero hasn't found them a new home world yet so they're shaping it shape-shifting into a bunch of different people to overtake the planet and make it their own is that not goofy enough as it is? Yeah. All right, let's gain some perspective here. Do you know why I think people, the people that are mad, some of them will generally be because of the AI thing. I think a lot of them is just because it's Marvel that's done this. And they see Marvel, they're like, oh, they're cutting corners. They're trying to not pay artists. I like to think that a lot of the people who are against it are people like myself who aren't artists and are worried that artists were getting shafted by it. Yeah, probably. I hope that's where most of it's come from. People going, I know nothing about art. That is definitely AI generated. Um, Have they just sacked off some artists? It's the crypto thing again, like you said. It's like people will be seeing that, oh, yes, the title sequence was made using AI. And they're like, holy shit, AI made this? I'm angry now. And it's like, okay. And I, th- I think the general rule of thumb is have a he- healthy dose of scepticism. Mm. Double check. If anyone's lost their job because of it, yes. Call Marvel out on their bullshit. If it's just the artist went, no, this is to save a bit of time or capture a very unique style that we're struggling with. And we like, we 
drew what we wanted and then we let AI make it look more AI-y. Yeah, I imagine they gave image prompts and stuff. Because it's like, there's, I, I, whatever you say, like, there's no, I'd be surprised if any current generative art thing, like Mid Journey or anything, could recreate that. Like, if you, you can't really put in, oh, I want a scroll to turn into um, Nick Fury and back again. But it's Nick Fury with an eye patch in this weird painterly style, and I want it green and a bit of purple. And it's like it's gonna struggle with that to get like. There's definitely image prompts that went in there and stuff. It's like, yeah, I think unneeded anger, to be honest. I I like I said I I want to think it all came from a place of protecting artists, and then it just got spiraled it, by other people. Which I mean is a good sentiment to have. It's nice that people want to protect artists, but let's. Let's keep a grip on what we're doing yeah, and not... not lose sight. Because I think a lot of the time with stuff like this, people tend to lose sight of the actual issue. And then it gets it so watered down that no yeah. one takes any of it seriously. Yeah, agreed. However, anyway, the actual show. <laughs> yes, the show itself. I liked it, man. It was so good. But what a mindfuck, though. I, I've, I've long said that I'm a huge sucker for Winter Soldier and the spy thriller feel, feel it gives. Yep. I've always said that James Bond is one of like my favourite franchises because a good James Bond film is just unbeatable. Yep. Oh, it was hitting them, it was hitting them it bits was, of my brain. It was hitting the James Bond feel. Yeah, it was giving it, I was loving it. Um, I love the fact, and we've talked about this a lot with recent superhero stuff of like, not wanting end of the world thing they very quickly and very like in a good way have grounded this very much around fury and being his issue and an issue about him which immediately kind of nulls this down to like okay this doesn't feel like end of the world even though it's very much like they're trying to take over the world but it's like it doesn't feel like holy shit this is an end of the world thing like get the avengers this They've kind of shut that off, so you feel like it's focused on Fury, which I think is a good thing. And it's going to put people that feeling that, like, oh, we're in this with Fury, like, this is his problem that he's trying to fix. Already was mind-fucking us with when Fury left, where, like, what's been going on. I like that they're leaning into this idea that he is a very different person since the blip. Yeah, it's clearly picked him up a bit. Because we saw it a little bit with some of the superheroes that got blipped. Like Tony, when we saw him after that, and he got brought back, like he, or after people got blipped in front of him, like we saw it from that side of like people watching it happen. We haven't yeah. really too much like seen the side of like what it's like for someone who was blipped. It's been explored a tiny little bit with Yelena, where we got yes, that sorry, really yes. cool scene, yeah. and she was like stuck. Cool. We didn't yeah. get a lot of that. We saw Monica, but a lot of that was obviously centered around she was True. next to her mum on her deathbed, and then she came back and her mum's been dead for five years. Yeah. Which is obviously a lot to go through. But yeah, we've not just seen how it would affect a normal fucking person who like didn't have something else going on. They just lost five years of their life. Well, and it's also like it's so un- like understandable for Nick Fury because you he was always that person who he knew all the, who all the superheroes were before we did. Like this idea that he he knew everything that was going on, but he still lost, and then he had to deal with that idea that like he still lost when he's normally in control. And I liked how kind of 
And I saw that there was, I think the director mentioned it, that the choice of not him, him not having his eye patch in the moment is him in this like vulnerable state that he is at the moment of like unsure what's going on. I think we get like a suit up scene yes. later in the show where he goes for the big long black trench coat, well, he cleans up the beard, he puts the eye patch on. I think it was in the last trailer it showed that there's that picture as well where it goes into like a graveyard like um mausoleum thing, you know, where they've got him on the walls. Yeah. I think that's whenever that scene happens is a suit up scene, I'm pretty sure. And I'm a sucker for a suit up scene. Oh, it's yeah. always so good. It'll be great. Um, I like the twists they're already putting in and they're already trying to confuse us and make us doubt ourselves the first scene yes. with Martin Freeman really set expectations for the feel of the entire show you've got Martin Freeman having the interaction with a guy and mm -hmm. like instantly because I'm suspicious as fuck I'm like okay so is Martin Freeman a scroll because th 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 this guy's like really anxious about scrolls and he's giving information over. So he's Martin Freeman the scroll just trying to get the information from him. And then the guy attacked him like, oh shit, is he the scroll? And then Martin Freeman killed him to escape. I was like, oh no, okay, cool. He he just got really paranoid that Martin Freeman might be a scroll. Martin Freeman had to protect himself. Martin Freeman's not a scroll. And then he starts getting chased. I'm like, yeah, look, there's the scroll trying to chase him to get the information. So it's you didn't. You didn't go to the website and watch the thing that was like the first few, couple of minutes or whatever. No. So obviously I did and I saw that. The in, the thing that they showed us was obviously that interaction of Martin Freeman. And it's like the bit it cut on, on that, is as he's looking at the thing and then the, the agent tackles him. As he like runs at him, it cut. So I knew from that, I was like, okay, someone gives... So like someone's dodgy here or doesn't trust the other for some reason. And yeah, I was the same. I was like, does this guy think Martin Freeman's a scroll? Then like, they go in a scuffle. I thought someone shot the agent. I thought someone had like come in and shot the agent yeah. off Martin Freeman. I was like, oh shit, who's here? And then I was like, wait, no, it was him that shot him. Then I'm like, okay. He just didn't trust him for some reason. Which makes sense. He's a paranoid fuck. Yeah, I was like, okay, he just got over paranoid. Because then he's like, he patches through to... Um, Hill. Yeah, to Hill. And they're like, oh, okay. So it's my room. Then he's getting chased. And like, okay, he's been chased by a scroll. They found him. Um, was that That's where I was like, okay, he's being chased by a scroll now. Wasn't expecting it to be the flip. Yeah, and then they, Talos they, and he was yeah, the scroll. They, and then you got Hill like, holy shit. And this is, and, and like, off the back, we get our first question. How long has Marty Freeman's character been a scroll? Yes. Now, um, go on. I'm just, I'm just going to get busy with it. Mm -hmm. I think he was still a human in Black Panther Wakanda forever. Purely because the scroll that was playing Martin. Mm. Is obviously part of this resistance that wants to take over the earth. Mm -hmm. Martin Freeman in Black Panther Wakanda Forever was trying to keep everyone calm and not escalate. Starting a war between America and Wakanda would have been perfect for the scrolls. Well, here's my thing. He doesn't, like, the times we've seen 
Martin Freeman. It could have been him. This guy doesn't have like the car. It doesn't necessarily always have to be like he could have been in Wakanda doing his thing, and then this guy's been impersonating him as a scroll. Yes and no. Okay, so it gets a bit complicated, and we'll talk about this more when we get to a little bit later in the show. But a scroll can only access your memories if they like get hold of you. Well, that's if yeah, but he doesn't necessarily need to have his memories. He's a secret agent. So if he's going to get away with actually being a secret agent, he needs to know what he knows so that he doesn't accidentally out himself. True. You'll notice, like, when Fury sits down with Olivia Coleman's character, he's like, you'll remember my favourite drink's bourbon. And, like, the thing from mm. Captain Marvel with the toast, mm-hmm. it's these things that, I mean, I don't know if eight secret agents in real life do, but, like, we've always been led to believe secret agents have these little things that people know is them versus an impersonator. Well, his, yeah, that's the thing, right? Because scrolls, we were led to believe they couldn't have all the memories. Um, so that's how you would tell. But now jumping ahead a bit, like we see them shove them into these pods and what looks like they're bringing their memories to the forefront they're obviously have figured out a way to access humans' memories to better disguise themselves as that person, yeah. which is a bigger problem. Because now we really aren't going to be able to tell who is and who isn't a scroll. Exactly. Um, now, I saw your messages with Luke. Yes. I fully believe Hill is dead. I'm not sure. I'm just jumping to that. I fully believe it. Because they held too long on that body. So, the, the, so fuck the internet. Maria getting shot got spoiled for me. Oh, did it? Oh. Yeah, at like 9 o'clock yesterday oh. morning. Tough scenes. I literally like opened Twitter and it's just like the first thing I see. I wasn't even on the cutscene Twitter. Oh. I'm like, really, guys? Like, not even nine hours? Um, That's tough. So, once I knew that had happened, as I was watching the episode, every time a scroll died and transformed back, I was like, in my head, I was kind of like counting to like work out roughly how long. And they hovered on Maria just long enough mm. that she could have just been about to turn. But it, it might... It's one of them ones where it could be like, literally, the second it cuts to black, they turn. Or it could have been a case of, that is Maria, which I think was very deliberate. <laughs> yes. And I... throughout this entire series, anytime someone gets shot as a cliffhanger, wait for, like, ten seconds. And if they cut away inside that ten seconds, you can assume that's a scroll. <laughs> now, my only feeling of like why it definitely was hell it kind of needs to be because in my opinion they're very clearly making it feel so fury feels like he's alone can't trust anyone and has to deal with this problem alone and for that to happen they essentially need to kill off hill and them killing off hill really puts fury into a i've lost anyone i can trust i'm now I don't trust anybody. And he'll go like super untrustworthy. And I think they need that for the way the show is going to go. 
I get what you're saying, but I raise you one point. Okay. Kobe Smolders. <laughs> now, I will say <laughs> there's one theory because they put out a watch before list, which you sent me. Mm -hmm. And a weird thing that I thought on there was they put Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. on there. Which we've very much been like, is that canon? Is it not? No one's really confirmed. And to me, them saying, oh, you need to, you should watch that before this, makes me feel like they're saying that's canon now. Agent Coulson. Oh, you got a different way to me. Got brought back. Okay. You got a completely different way okay. to me, but I'm right there with you with the concept of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. matters here. Okay. So. There's a lot of backstory here. I'm going to try and keep it simple, but as with everything comic book related, it's never simple. In one of the late series of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., we yeah. get an evil AI world. Okay. That's the best way I can describe it. Yeah. yeah. Um, the harnesses they use to be trapped in this world look basically identical to the harnesses the scrolls are using. Right. To stop people getting alarmed about the people going missing, they used, I forget what they're called in Marvel continuity. They're essentially AI drones, right. like robots, yeah? Yeah, yeah, that have all their memories. They are also a thing in Marvel comics that are called like live action decoys or something. Right, okay. Um, you could make the argument that that was a live action decoy of Kobe. And that's why she seems so real, because it has access to her memories directly. Yeah. And that is how the scrolls now have proper access to people's memories because they've got hold of these devices. They've changed them slightly to allow for just a stronger psychic connection. Well, they're like a mix. So their pods are like a mix of what Carol Danvers got put in. Yeah. With the like, because that had the fucking purple lasers going into her to like try and read her mind. So it's sort of like they've taken their own tech and then found a way to put it into a, these pods. Yeah. Which also could be a case of like, at first the scrolls, scrolls, that's their tech and they've shared that with S.H.I.E.L.D. when they were friendly with Nick Fury and stuff. And then S.H.I.E.L.D. have built their own things like you're saying. But it, there is a part of me that's like, why would they mention Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? Unless there's, because I haven't seen it all, so maybe there's stuff there that I'm missing. But there's, there's lots of stuff because they also deal with decrees. Oh, okay, that potentially. Is so well as well, okay, so in Agents of Shield, they have Inhumans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Inhumans are created, were created as part of the Crees, right. and they're humans that were mixed with Cree blood, essentially. Right. Um, and basically what you've got is you get a bunch of superpowered people who are created by Terrigen Mist, which basically activates the Kree science inside these humans and gives right. them their powers. Got you. Obviously, the Krees and the Scrolls are enemies. Yeah. Yeah. yeah? So. Yeah. Okay, long story short, people are hoping that we get Quake. Oh, uh, okay. Who was uh, Daisy or Sky, depending on who you're talking about. The only person I want is Melinda goddamn May. Okay. I will trade Maria Hill for Melinda May. <laughs> I will make that trade. But yeah, I just... The Hill thing very much to me feels like 
I kind of would feel a bit of a cop out if they they went back on it. But at the same time, this whole show is about them trying to throw decoys at us. Um, this is this is a waste of problem, isn't it? I really liked how they've got us doubting ourselves about everyone that crosses paths with Fury now, because uh, Geekin is that what the bad guy's name is? Greg Gregor. Grecken. Grecken. It's, 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 it's an awkward name. Yeah. I know who you mean. Yeah. <laughs> he shapeshifted into the girl with the bouncing ball. So then it's like, was she actually, was he always there? The guy in the bar. So then like, was that actually him? Or is he just happened to also see him? But then you're like, well, it kind of must be right. Or, and then he like, obviously shapeshifts into Nick Fury. That then gets so you, good. yeah, which then gets you doubting literally every interaction of like, who's he crossed paths with? And who has he always been watching him? Was this all was, a test? Was the Maria he had a drink with actually Maria? If you look back at what Maria said, she was trying to get him to walk away, but she also said, if you don't walk away, someone might get hurt, and then she's been shot. Does that sound like Maria actually being worried about Fury, or does that sound like him trying to lay a threat down? I'm think, also think, think think of it like a like traditional, yeah. Forget it's Maria for a minute. Imagine mm. it's the villain of the of the show, yeah. And it's Nick Fury. Imagine they just sat down for like a parlay, and he just goes, "I suggest you walk away now before someone gets hurt." Does it not have that same kind of energy if you consider Maria as a scroll in that scene? Yeah. Yeah. Do you know what and we it need to do? From a... Go on. I wonder if there's any point in other MCU stuff where Maria Hill's been playing chess and see if she plays the same opening move. Because if she doesn't. I just, I don't know how hard they've worked. Yeah, this, this is the thing, right? How, how far back have they thought about this? Because, like, that's something that could be such a small hidden detail because Nick Fury would be like, that's not her opening move. But he's not going to give in that he knows something's up. Yeah. And and here's the thing: I think we're going to get lots of scenes where Fury asks what seem like really weird questions, mm-hmm. and it's just going to be to try and bait someone into slipping up, which I think is what the Bourbon question alluded to. Yes, there's going to be a lot he, of. He was like, "You know my favorite drink. Why have you given me this?" And she's like, "Yeah, you've pissed me off, so you get pissed." <laughs> and he's kind of like, "Hmm, maybe." Yeah, he's very much going to be never give up how what he's actually thinking about that person, but he's going to be asking weird questions or paying attention to weird stuff. Um, Talos' daughter getting played. Yeah. Amelia Clark. Yeah. She seems great so far in her role. I love... I like Amelia her- Clark's just got one of them personalities that I really like. Yeah, I just, I just look at her and I don't know why she makes me happy. I'm not sure if I like the idea that I might have to root against her a little bit. I hope See, she very well, no. quickly comes to the good I, side. I think she will because based at the end of that with the decoy bags to me showed that Greekan picked up on that she was lying to him when she said, oh, I bumped into someone but like they weren't anyone. He was like, who were they? And she's like, oh, no one important. He knew something was up and said to her, oh, these are the bags. Basically sold her a lie to see if she would pass it on, 
which she has, and he's going to know that now because they obviously showed up. So I think she has no choice but to come to their side. Um, but then that also shows that like he is way more ahead of Nick Fury is like he's like three steps behind, and he needs to figure this shit out fast because he's so much on the back foot. Um, I thought it was interesting this little scene we got with Don Cheadle, being that like they've gone AWOL. Nick Fury is not meant to leave Saber. Um, which makes me think that like he was clearly not the same after the blip so they're like oh you go up to saber and you set up that basically yeah, them being like you've got this project we need you to do but it's really them exiling him it, it's it's really interesting because it seems like you know too much to be left alive but you've done nothing wrong to be killed mm. but you're not field fit yeah it's like when you take someone with a lot of knowledge and just put them in charge of a project so like, you know how to be the greatest spy in the world. So very quietly go and build this Lego set. <laughs> yeah, like Nick Fury was in a place mentally where he's probably like, yeah, like it's, I'm happy to just go hide off world. Um, it's strange though, because that's obviously going to be another factor that plays in. But then it's like, is the guy that Don Cheadle talked to was he is he a scroll? It was supposed to be the president, which would be oh, yeah. a very, very good person for the scrolls to take over, mm. wouldn't it? It would. We it's... know that Nick Fury meets with Don Cheadle and says, Who do you trust? We've seen that in the trailer, so there's definitely gonna be a lot that there's someone we've met already who we think we know who they are, but they're not. I'm I will also say this first episode has eased my concerns about pacing a little bit. I also have pacing feels okay. And I think that's because of how they ended the episode. It didn't... If they hadn't done that little ramp up at the end of like, shit went wrong, I think yeah, I would have been like... They, they'd have pushed the terrorist attack to the beginning of next episode. Mm. Pacing would have started to slip it, well, already. I it think it would have felt start. like a slow start, whereas this feels like a good pace of the, for yeah. the start because and i think that's helped by the fact that they're not trying to start this story as if it's just started this no. is something that's been happening underground we're starting with nick's nick fury entering the story mm -hmm. which is already a year into this problem yeah like we're hitting the ground with nick fury and essentially trying to pick up on it as he is yeah we're, yeah exactly we're trying to get up to speed like he is yeah um, um i'm looking forward to it though I like the episode length, I have to say. I do like a longer episode. I'm very excited for next week's episode already. I also am very excited. Um, I think maybe episode three is where we get the like suit up and Nick Fury gets back, like, gets over whatever the fuck I mean, he's going through. Do you know how many through. episodes it's supposed to be? I'm six? not sure. I was thinking maybe eight, but maybe that's... I wish it's eight. I don't think it is, though. Um, I don't. Six. Is it six? Yeah. Okay, six. so maybe next episode we get suit up. I think it'll be episode four. Oh, you think it'll be later? Yeah. 
most of the other shows have had pacing issues. They haven't properly suited up till the very last episode. I'm giving them... Okay. We'll get a whole episode of Prime Nick Fury. Also, uh, Samuel L. Jackson said in an interview, um, he will always answer the phone to play Nick Fury for Marvel. Um, he's dying. Nick Fury dies at the end of this. I'm calling it now. No one who is 70 years of age, and by the way, is always like one or two in most grossing actors of all time, just goes, oh, I'll answer the phone whenever they call. Samuel L. Jackson works harder than anyone in the fucking film. He can't just answer whenever they call. He might have other shit going on. He is dying at the end of this, and he's saying, hey, guys, if you ever want me to come back, I'm available. Does he die, or does he just get... He dies. Banished to Saber. He dies. But, but they will kill they will kill him off in a way whoa, 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 that wait. allows us to sit here and go, maybe it was a scroll for the rest of eternity. Depends on timeline though. Because he's in Mar he's in the Marvels. Oh shit, he is, isn't he? Yeah, he was in the trailer. Oh, maybe I'm wrong. Oh no, wait, that could that could just be a scroll. <laughs> that, that, that could literally just be Talos. Connor's completely. It doesn't in, care in, what anyone says now. In, Everyone's in, a scroll. In the words of the Sun newspaper, never let evidence get in the way of a good story. Uh, um, every <laughs> character moving forward in the MCU after this TV show is a scroll. Can be a scroll. Yeah, if it, if it doesn't suit my agenda, they're a scroll. Um, but <laughs> we know Talos has been playing around as Nick Fury since uh, Far From Home. Mm. So, like, that's Nick another Fury reason I think a... Hill's dead because yeah. um, Nick Fury being a scroll means nothing to me. The scroll that used to impersonate Hill was Talos's wife, who's dead. Who's dead. So there's no scroll to like easily impersonate her. So that's another reason I think she's actually actually dead. Um, but yeah, I look forward to next week. Very excited. Yeah, very much so. Okay, now it's time to get really angry. The Sony trailer for a film for the titled... hunting film. Yeah. Okay. We I'm don't know much start... else about the character. I'm just going to start with the 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 main points. There's only really one main point. He is not speaking Russian. Okay. Then or that's... with a Russian accent. Okay. Yeah. He is hunting people like an assassin and not hunting animals like a hunter. Mm -hmm. They have thrown Spider-Man imagery all over the fucking gaff. Yep. They've tried to make him a hero instead of a villain, despite the tagline being, villains are made, not born. Mm -hmm. And also, superpowers. They... Do you know what I... My theory... And this probably isn't how they're going to play it. But going off that trailer, the person we saw, however much they want us to believe that it is, that isn't Craven. It's his dad. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. His dad is Craven. Yes. He's honestly, Russell Crowe gives much more Craven vibes. The he's killing animals for fun. He's actually he's got a Russian accent. Yeah. He called his own son weak. And left him to die. Um, the only thing that wasn't craving of him is he didn't kill the lion after it, like 
Mulder's son because he would have yeah. killed it. Um, but yeah, you're right. Like he's hunting people, not animals, and not even other than the tease of Rhino. Like, at least have him hunting some creature-based person. Like, at least then it makes some sense that, like, oh, it's, I don't know, some person that's got some creature-related powers. Okay, I, I'm going to make this film a better film in five seconds. You ready? Go on. Drop any Spider-Man references, any spider character references. Mm-hmm. Rename it Apex Predator. Boom. Mid to decent sized action film that actually looks interesting. Because here's the thing. It doesn't look like a horrific film. It looks like it's got a bit of decent action to it. Mm-hmm. The problem is, I'm sat here going, that's supposed to be Craven the Hunter, and it's fucking not. Yeah, the, this is the thing. The trailer, if you scrap Craven as if it has any association with Craven, looks like a great action film. The fights look cool. Like, could be an cool interesting storyline. Yeah. As soon as you slap the Craven name on it, it's it's not. I didn't watch a trailer for Craven. Where the fuck is Craven? Also, the whole fucking Tiger Blood shit. I'm like, what? What are we doing? What are we doing, Sony? I'm sick of it. Let's get this completely fucking clear right now. Craven isn't out here hunting other bad guys because his dad was mean to him. Craven enjoys killing animals to prove he is the apex predator. He then gets bored of killing animals because it's too fucking easy because he's such a good hunter. So he starts hunting Spider-Man. That is Craven. It's not complicated. It's not difficult. Well, the you thing know what you could have done? You could have had him hunting Morbius or Venom. Um, Connor, I, I hate to break it to you, but if someone tells me that's what they're going to set up to at the end of the film. At least that would be close to Craven if they spent well, look, this film having him hunt animals. Here's the thing, right? They've teased Rhino. Just fuck the teaser of Rhino. Just make it like off the rip. You could have just been like, he was, he hunted animals with his dad. His dad told him how to hunt animals. So at a young age, got very good at it, got bored of it. As he grew older, he's like, ah, oh, I want to hunt harder things. Oh, there's a guy that turns into a rhino? Make that the fucking film. And it ends with him finding out about Venom or something. Do you know what I don't understand about films? They will take a two-dimensional character Mm. and try really hard to give them a third dimension. And then they'll take a three-dimensional character and just force them into two dimensions. They can't just let characters be characters. You'll get this really simple character like Craven, who's just a trophy hunter and doesn't need to be anything more than that, realistically. And they'll try and make him some kind of, oh, his dad was mean to him, he's more than this. And then you'll get like a genuinely three-dimensional character, and they'll just try and squeeze them into this boring. I just I don't get it, Horry. We this is the third different villain, Spider-Man villain that's getting their own film. In every single one of these films, they have been a hero, not a villain. The only so, time they've done a so, de- semi-decent job has been with Venom. Yeah, and like that, that's only because Tom Hardy fucking carries. Yeah. Um, how is any of this supposed to lead if, if we're to believe the logic that they're trying to build a Sinister Six that the Spider-Man then fights and we've been introduced to Venom and Morbius and um, Vulture 
through Morbius, but it mm. was actually Marvel's Vulture, which is saying yeah. he's actually acting like a villain. And now Craven. That's not a bad lineup for a Sinister Six to start off with. Here's the problem. Give me any reason why any of them hate Spider-Man. Present. There is no reason for Venom to dislike Spider-Man because in the comics when Venom really disliked Spider-Man before he became an anti-hero like he is now um, was because Spider-Man rejected him and he was like a scorned lover. And then he bonded with Eddie Brock who also hated Spider-Man from working together at the Bugle. In this universe, we have neither of them. No. Nope. Morbius was just a vampire who was like having different issues and they would compete occasionally. For the most part, Morbius tends to fight like Blade a bit more. I was going to say, yeah, it makes more sense for the Blade film. Vulture, fair enough, he's a natural villain. He has a reason to dislike Spider Man. Yeah. And then you've got Craven, who's not even an actual fucking hunter anymore, who's got daddy issues. Also. Do we know if he's still vegan? Not a clue. He because was wearing lion skin, so I'm assuming no. I, I, I'm hoping that rumour has turned out to be false. Although he may as well be with the way he's acted in the trailer. Well, here's the thing. It's like, if he turns around and goes, I'm vegan, but he's wearing a lion skin and he bit someone's nose off. Like, I think you've got your priorities wrong. <laughs> like, look, look my, 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 I think the thing that makes me so much more annoyed is the trailer actually makes it look like a like a decent action film not a great action film but 90 minutes of fun that mm. if like i said they literally rebranded it, it's like the apex predator and they got rid of like it being a spider-man adjacent film and just had it be this russian kid got bullied by his dad tiger blood he becomes this apex predator and he goes out to get revenge that could actually be fun mm-hmm. do you know what's wild as well that i saw after the trailer came out this shows how the average MCU watcher who isn't necessarily clued into who owns the rights to what and whose films do and don't tie into the MCU. They see this and they go, huh, another MCU film? We're really having Aaron Taylor-Johnson recast again and Russell Crowe? Didn't he just play a Greek god? And now he's a Russian gangster? Russian crow is just daddy. <laughs> and it's just, people are like, huh? How does this make sense? And you start there thinking, no, this is just Sony. Just Sony not really giving a shit about what they are. Like, I get it. They don't like, they're at competition with Disney. I get it. So they're not going to give a shit about what the MCU is doing. Yeah. So or like how I... it affects things, but. I had an interaction with someone on Twitter who's not clued up on comics. So I responded to someone's tweet saying, this actually looks fun. I was like, except it's the character isn't craving in the slightest. Um, And he's like, yeah, I I thought the original character didn't have any powers. I was like, he doesn't. It's a bad bastardization version of Craven that makes him seem like a hero who only kills bad guys instead of a villain who hunts animals and kills people to get in his way. He was like, I barely know the history, but from what I know, him being able to hunt anything is what he's prideful of. He's a human top predator, so he hunts Spider-Man, and it's human versus human with powers. That is what makes it suspenseful and interesting, right? It's like, yes, he's an avid hunter who eventually grows bored as he finds hunting Apex Predators too easy, so he decides to hunt Spider-Man. The trailer for the Spider-Man 2 game gives a really good idea of Craven, and the game mm-hmm. seems to have nailed his portrayal. Um, he was like, 
then that sounds more exciting and more like moving material. Imagine we watch Craven gain his skills through various hunts. We see as an audience how he hones his skills. Could be boring or could be a really good character development. Either way, Lion Blood just sounds boring. The balls, the audacity of Sony to release this shit film version of Craven when they are giving us a video game version of oh, Craven that seems so perfect. Do you know, do you know what hurts? Genuinely laughable. That, that's what hurts them even more with this is you've got people that will have seen that trailer and gone, huh, this guy's nothing like what's in the video game. And then you'll get some people, I guarantee it now, go, oh, why have the Insomniac or whatever, why have they made it so he only cares about Spider-Man? This isn't the craving we saw in the cinema. And it's going to be like, oh, really? Really? I I just know I'm going to have to spend months of my life on the internet fighting people who watched Craven film and enjoyed it because it probably will be relatively enjoyable and I they have to be like oh why do I keep nerfing Craven? give him his powers back and I'm just going to be there like he doesn't have fucking powers this, this, this is the thing at least this film unlike Morbius I might actually be willing to go watch because the action looks good and to be fair Aaron Taylor Johnson's pretty good so, um, like, he fits the role as well in a way. Like, he I, looks I good. I was excited for this film until the vegan, which now looks to be bullshit, lie broke. But everything else about it doesn't seem that right. It seems like his dad was a massive hunter. He bullied him. He hates his dad. So now he's adopted this hunting persona to just dismantle his dad's criminal organization. Which, again, sounds like a compelling film. Don't call it Craven the Hunter. I do you know what I I this is a very far fetched. This is a oh well, yeah, this is the far fetched hope, right? That the twist at the end of the film is his dad rip, takes the lion skin off him, and someone goes, "You're not fucking Craven," and it's him, and he kills his son, and then he goes off to hunt Spider-Man. <laughs> like they made that the twist at the end. Just make it so like, oh, this is all bait. Russell Crowe is actually Craven, and we're we're gonna get the proper Craven. It won't happen. I'm but... just, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just so over it. Yeah, Sony, just... Sony really needs to just. I just don't understand how. Let's just be completely fucking clear here. In a six months less than period of time, Sony are gonna release the greatest comic book movie of all time. Mm. They're going to release potentially one of the greatest. Superhero games of all time, mm. featuring a character who will then come out in a film that is complete and utter dog shit interpretation of that character. I wonder at what point the Sony execs look at each other and go, "Huh, the only successful comic book film we've had in the last ten years has been when we worked with Disney and actually worked for the MCU." Maybe we should just work with them. Whoever is in charge of live-action productions at Sony, get rid. Your head of video games, clearly doing a good job. Your head of animation, doing a phenomenal job. Live-action, Donny, sack him. Uh, head of live-action at Sony. I'm I, calling I, someone out by name. I get There's the whole, like, it's business competition... Sony and Disney have always had this. Like, I get it. You have egos and pride, and who wants you want to control what you own. 
but like just look at it and just be like holy shit we could make a really cool craven character that fits into the mcu we can work with disney they know what the fuck they're doing the people that own marvel it's like we could make a proper craven character and then oh my god we could end it by them teasing that he's look gonna go and hunt tom holland because that would actually be a great villain for Tom Holland to go into this new era of Spider-Man as to have to beat. Okay, so Christine Belson seems <laughs> oh, to go. be the head of animation. The GOAT. Keep doing a good job, Christine. Um, motion Picture Group, I think, is who seems to be responsible for live-action films. Joss Greenstein. Tom Rothman. I'd like to see you in my office, please. <laughs> Bring your belongings. You won't be needing them at your desk. Fucking <laughs> oh, uh, hell, man. I, I'm not saying making films is easy. I would never, ever claim that making a major motion picture is easy. I know hundreds, if not thousands of people dedicate years of their life working very hard to make a film come to life. And that is applaudable and you're making entertainment and we appreciate you for your hard work. Stop agreeing to make shit, though. Stop. We, 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 we need the film industry to become this place where directors and writers don't get to shit on the people who work on the productions because they think they know better. We need a cameraman who's there watching this shit, shit be filmed go, this script is horrific, by the way. Do you remember when writers and actors used to work together now I, it seems to be I the just, writers writing the actors acting. There's no. Can the writers that Sony get like? Do, why do they have to keep trying to make their own version? Like, can they not just accept that? Like, hmm, maybe this character we want to use is good how it is. That's why it's a recurring character. Yeah. What year did Craven make? They, it just all it screams to me is that the people at Sony have this like ego over comics and comic writers and think they can do a better job with a character than the comics do. Okay, let's be completely clear here. Craven first appeared in August 1964 in Spider-Man number 15. Okay, yeah? there we go. So, like, nearly pretty, 60 years old. Yeah, pretty OG. Yeah? I promise you, you can't write him better. <laughs> Over the 60 years of character development they've put in place to get this character to where he is, you are not going to put together a better version for a film you've been working on for two, maybe three years. Do you know? Do you know what I? Re I think the real reason we've got this craving is somebody who is on the executive table in Sony. They've come to them and gone, "Okay, Spider-Man division. What? What's your next film? What? What are we? What are we making next to make sure we keep this license?" Oh, we've got this character called Craven. We think it'd be really fun to do. Uh, maybe could even set us up to maybe we talk to Disney and see if we can tie it. Mm, okay, what's what's the character? Oh, they're a hunter. Social media nowadays mm, can't be killing animals. Mm, yeah. Sure, you but can no, do him, but he's, I, he's, he's, okay, he's a well, villain. It's fine. <laughs> then they're like, he's a villain. Mm, yeah, but it's killing animals, isn't it? Twitter's gonna have a field day with that. Okay, what if we just make him kill people? Oh, sounds great. Sure, go for it. 
And it's like, well, that's not Craven anymore. Yeah, it's crazy because Craven is such an easy villain to get across as truly evil now. Just have him kill a dog. <laughs> yeah. It fits the character perfectly, and instantly everyone in the cinema was like, yo, fuck this guy. It's so easy. And the thing he is, with CGI, like, you can. villain to make a villain. It's so, like, you can do very good CGI to make it look like he actually killed an animal. Right. Like, I just, I don't get it, bruv. I'm sick of it. There's a world where Sony stopped making Spider-Man films and the rights got reverted. Can I please be transferred to that world? I just want to know. And who knows, maybe we look, maybe we peek in that world and we're like, holy shit, Disney somehow did it worse. Maybe. No. But I, I just want to know for sure. I don't think anyone could do it worse than Sony right now. It's just, it's just, none of it makes any sense. Anyway, um, the no shocking news network doesn't stop there. Yeah, um, right. We've got, we've got just so much crap. Um, <laughs> so much went on this week. So there is a rumor for a potential TV show or movie. We're not hundred percent sure for stage two of the DCU, centered around the Flash's villains, the Rogues. Hmm. Yeah, daddy. So the the more the stronger rumor is that it's gonna be a TV show. Okay. That centers around a bunch of heists that they pull off. Okay. That is fucking perfect. I want it. I want it now. I want it yesterday. That could be cool. Gimme. I want it. The rogues are so underrated. Everyone remembers like the top top superhero villains. Everyone knows of Lex Luthor and the Joker and Green yeah. Goblin and Doc Ock and the Rhino. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Rogues would sweep casual fans off their feet if done right. They would fall in love with them and it would elevate the Flash as a character and his villains to a whole new level. The Rogues are some of the best characters in comic books. It could be very fun. It would be so damn good. Interesting to me. The interesting thing to me is that we're getting stage two rumors already. Yeah, like already, and it doesn't surprise me actually that there probably is some planning going into stage two already. They figured out stage one. They're gonna start figuring out what's next. Yep. So yep. we'll see what else comes out of the woodwork. Um, San Diego Comic Con is just around the corner. It is very exciting. Normally a great time of year. We we get all of the all of the tea. It gets spilled. I mean, last year at San Diego Comic Con, we got phases five and six laid out bare for us. We did when we thought we were getting nothing. Yeah. Um. So we're Actually, very pre- pleased pleased to announce that Marvel will be skipping Hall H this year at yeah, San they, Diego Comic Con. They they wasted all their announcements last year, so they don't need to do this year. Um. I'm concerned because Comic Con is Comic Con no matter what. That's yep. never gonna die. No, it's um, always gonna keep going. San Diego Comic Con was always the pedestal though, because that's where you'd get even more people turning up to do their big announcements in Hall H. Yep. Um, it's hallowed ground. Me and you were literally talking last year about how one year we'd love to get out there to experience Hall H. Yep. Um. I don't need to know. <laughs> And I mean, me and you being gamers have experienced a loss pretty recently with E3, which, yes. by the way, while we've been recording, it's been confirmed that it won't be returning in 2024 or 2025. Oh, E3's done. Yeah, I don't, uh, I don't know all, why they're keeping it. We, like, we all knew, we all knew when it when it got skipped this year that it was done. 
but they've now confirmed that for at least the next two years it won't be returning. Hopefully, by announcing that early, their plan is to reinvent it as a new thing for 2026. But oh, E3, possibly. as we know and love it, is gone. Yeah. And I'd hate for San Diego Comic Con to lose part of what made that one unique in the Hall H stuff. Um, and I know what you're saying. It's Marvel. Don't overreact. Universal and HBO are also expected to skip San Diego Comic Con. I That's three big players gone, and DC don't really have a lot to announce. What they're going to turn up and show us an Aquaman trailer? Well, yeah, this is the thing. Like at the moment, DC is in rebuild. Yeah, and it's like the only other people essentially then is like you're leaving on the table is Sony, but they've already announced their trailers and stuff. Like there's nothing. They don't really announce anything huge, or if they do, it's like yeah. one thing. What, and mean, it's what, like, what they get, what they get turned up with, fucking rhino, where the rhino is <sighs> just an actual but rhino. The thing, like, I'm kind of not surprised with the Marvel thing. I am and I am, I am and I'm not. It's a surprise that they would step away from a Comic Con because they kind of, it's felt that they've always understood how important it still has been to like yeah. it's and it's paid off for them and they've always like valued it but with more and more of a push that they seem to be trying to do for disney plus in different ways it wouldn't surprise me if they're seeing the benefit of saving these announcements that they would do in hall h for their own d23 like their own disney plus thing they do every year so it's like I get that they probably want to keep some stuff for themselves. And maybe the Riot Strikes played into some things. So, like, maybe they would have announced some more stuff, but, like, they're now holding on to it because they don't want to announce stuff and then change dates. They, I would have expected some trailers, maybe, or teases. It would have been the perfect opportunity for them to announce the Fantastic Forecast. There's a lot of big things that we probably would have expected from them, and now we're not going to get anything, which is a bit yeah. weird. Um. So yeah, hopefully this is just a one-year thing due to, like, say, writer strikes. So anything they were going to announce, they've just decided to do on D23 because it's slim pickings, and from next year it'll be back to normal. But yeah, it's it's concerning. It is. Um, hope like like we say. Hopefully, this is one off. Hopefully, because things have been delayed, they would have had announcements, but those announcement things aren't ready yet. So, like, it's like the like maybe they would have had casting announcements, but casting's not completed and things like that. There's a lot of things happen this year for marvel and they've delayed a lot of stuff so maybe let's hope it's just that universal and hbo i mean feels like hbo is just not going because they don't want to get all the flame from the max shit yeah <laughs> plus they um, also with max they announced all their new shows that were coming anyway so oh, to be fair if dc is still there they might hbo stuff yeah, they might show some like of the penguin or whatever. True. Yeah. So we although might. HBO might be skipping it, anything that's Disney 
uh, not Disney, sorry, DC, DC. Yeah. might, the, and relevant to HBO might come in that way. But still, that's... Part of me would love best. James Gunn to come on stage with the Superman actor. But considering... There are, there are rumours that might happen. Which kind of is skipping to one of our later news things, but... Yeah. Considering that James Gunn has been doing... People are hoping and auditions. praying that they've casted a nobody and that whoever it is is going to hide in the crowd with glasses on <sighs> so and then good. stand and up with cut. the glasses off and... Yep. Walk anyway. on stage. Yeah. Spider-Verse has co- crossed 500 million at the global box office. Yes, it has. Impressive. Oh, yeah, baby. That is Not fucking surprised. mad impressive. Not no, surprised, it, though. Incredible it's crazy, because if this film was as good as it was and came out before the pandemic, it'd already be at a billion. But as we spoke about a couple of weeks ago, straight streaming and the Cost economy being the way yeah. it is, is fucking killing the cinema. It is, it, fe- it genuinely felt like three or four years ago, every single film we thought was good, bad, or sh- like what anything in between was hitting a billion like that. Mm. And now 500 million is a roaring success. Well, yeah, it's... Times have changed, but it is for an animated film to break 500 million as well is like props to them. Like they deserve it. Yeah. 100%. And on like a budget of like 100 million as well, that's a nice bit of a. Profit. Yeah, they've made, they've made some money. Yeah. Roll it all into the final one and just blow our minds. Animation's oh, so good, we think it's live action. Please. <laughs> um, Warner Bros. Discovery in talks to license some HBO originals to Netflix. This is backing up our worry that we're not getting HBO in the UK. Or at least they have no immediate plans to bring it to outside the US. So the major thing here is as long as it covers the DC stuff... I'm happy. We're going to be okay. It's not going to screw us over. Yeah. And at least they're putting plans in place. Because let's be honest, if they if they just rolled Max out over here, it's just a subscription we'd have to pay for. Yeah. Yeah? So, I mean, I already have Netflix. So if they just roll it into that, mm-hmm. um, hopefully it works. The problem is, apparently, some of the... How do I put this delicately? Old mm-hmm. white men at the top of HBO don't particularly want to. Well, yeah, they don't want to give it to competition. No, I don't even think it's that. I think oh. they just don't believe in streaming. Oh. Which, if that's the people at the top making them decisions, is it any wonder that HBO Max got rebranded to Max and is apparently just not really doing anything? I don't know. It's almost Here's the thing, like though. ancient people who have no idea what people actually want making decisions isn't the best business practice. I'm more surprised they've gone to Netflix, though. Considering they already do stuff with Now TV. Yeah, but it's not just about the UK, is it? I suppose. Yeah, Netflix. Here's my thing, though. Netflix is global. I don't think there's any country where you can't get Netflix. Netflix is a bold choice, though, considering the current situation Netflix is in in the public eye. But they're not best loved anymore. You say that, but articles have been coming out saying that they're now seeing record well, yeah but that's because they scared because... everyone into making accounts yeah, no, but this is the thing it works that the people didn't stay strong and go fuck you like everyone said they were going to people i would say and 
how someone needs to look at that and see how many of those subscriptions were people just finally claiming deals off like internet stuff that they got where it's like you get six months free and like oh i'd never needed it but now i'll use it maybe Um, you need to keep an eye on that in like a two three months and see how many accounts cancel but i think netflix being global is perfect we know netflix Mm. are really good at region content locking yeah. So it's it, it's like a very easy business deal for them to go to Netflix. Here's a three year deal. Anything we put on HBO Max in a and we want served in a country that we don't currently serve, you can serve it there. I mean, the D, any DC stuff is a good sell to Netflix as well because they'll just go. You know, Disney Plus, who's taking a lot of your, like, is big competition at the moment. Here's DC direct competition to their stuff. Also, the fact that Netflix has had the Harry Potter films and they're doing a Harry Potter show, it's kind of like, oh, yeah, we like Harry Potter stuff over here. I I guess the big thing is going to be if it actually goes through Mm. and if it's just very particular things or if they do just go for it. Here is all of our content. We aren't showing it. It's not available in Europe apart from illegally streaming it. Please make it available in Europe. Yeah. Um. And that, I mean, at least that will give us a stopover until, yeah, at least it's something then. Yeah. In fact, that's probably better for us because as long as they put everything on there, it we means don't we don't have to pay else. for another subscription. Yeah. yeah. Um, really good news. Mm. There are apparently very progressive talks and basically a done deal that could happen as soon as this year or next year to add a stunt category into the Oscars. Mm. Which my is big problem, huge. My big problem? Okay. I think it's just going to be used as an excuse to give Tom Cruise Oscars. Do you know what the it... The big one that he does for every Mission Impossible film is just going to win it. They're not... Actually, I, I've got a feeling they're not actually going to look at, like, the really impressive his, and difficult so his, technical stunts. They need, as long, if it's just best stunt, that's the only category... Yeah, that's going to happen. They need to have, I don't know, best stunt of cinema, which, sure, you can have whatever thing goes off. Maybe it's an explosion in Oppenheimer or something. You need to have um, best, like, stunt team or stunt coordinator. And it's like, they've worked on these films. Like, they've done some of the biggest stunts this year. Like, they should get recognized for their work. Yes. And then they need, like, one that's, like, I don't know, something to do with, like, fight sequences and stuff. Like, stuff that takes, like, best stunt choreography or something. Fight choreographer. Yeah, like, there needs to be some subcategories there to make sure they're really shining the light on the range of people that work in stunts and not, like you say, giving it to Tom Cruise for jumping off a cliff or something. Yeah, for just risking his entire life because he's a sociopath who's trapped into a cult. Yeah. (laughs) Paid into a cult. As much as I as much as I will rip Tom Cruise at any given opportunity, he did make me laugh in an interview recently. He was asked about the big stunt for the new oh, yeah. possible film, and he was like, "Oh yeah, we did that day one of filming because if I'm gonna die doing it, at least then we haven't filmed half the film already." <laughs> yeah, he was like, "If I die, that just means there's a mass rewrite." <laughs> we've we've, lo- we've only lost one day's work. <laughs> it's like it's a smart we, way to do it. it. I mean, you've got to have a bit of a sense of humor. I yeah. Think, when you're doing that dangerous 
but the idea of just going, okay, if I die doing this, we better do it on day one because at least then we haven't sunk too much money into it. <laughs> well, at least then we know, okay, we need to rewrite and start again. <laughs> and um, maybe not do this stunt. Now nah, just get a better stunt, man. <laughs> Other good news. James Gunn has said he's making good progress on finding his Superman. Yeah, which we touched on a little bit earlier, but yeah, he's done a few rounds now, I think, of... Of, like, screen tests and Screen stuff. tests, yeah, and feels... he's He made some comment along the lines of, like, there is a lot of good young yeah. male artists out there, um, which leans into feeling like he very much is going to go with an unknown person, to me. Or, like, so. more unknown. I like to think that he's looking at a full range of like fully unknown to your Henry Cavill level. Like, I, I hope he goes lesser known and like this could be a huge break for them. Yeah. I think that'd be really cool. Um, yeah, I, th I think grabbing someone who's not really done anything super major could be the play. Because also, as stupid as it sounds, I think it's easier to sell the Clark Ken doesn't get recognised as Superman with an unknown face. Yeah. I think someone if you would get if you get someone mega famous, like just as an, not that I'm saying this should happen, but The Rock, mega famous, <laughs> you whack glasses on him, people just go look at that and go, "I saw The Rock." No, don't. No, I've I've already said too much. <laughs> okay, what about Vin Diesel? <laughs> <laughs> Question: Can the entire script just be him going Superman? <laughs> if we get, if not, I think he's going to struggle. Now, he likes one word scripts. There's only one reason I would be okay with a Vin Diesel Superman. We finally let Black Adam and uh, Superman fight, <laughs> just so we can see Vin Diesel and Dwayne fight, and then it would end in a draw because neither of them can lose. Yeah. Oh, um, also, more comic booky news, but oh. I'm gonna shoehorn it in because I enjoy comic books. Fair. We're getting new what if books. Oh yes, yes we are. Um, three have been announced. They seem to lean more on MCU stuff for like the inspiration rather Which... than traditional stuff, but it's, it's a good way to get people into the what if books. Um, the three that have been announced are What If Loki Was Worthy? What If Wanda and Peter Were Siblings? Interesting. What If Mark Spector Was The Venom Host? Ooh. I really like the idea of Venom with Split Personality Disorder. That would be wild. Because you could have a third one is like almost carnage level personality that's a cool idea yeah. i do like that the because it, it kind of makes sense that they would lean more into the mcu stuff because a younger audience now have, are growing up watching mcu stuff it's like yeah. it's the easy way to pull them into comics i i've got one of the what if volumes um they're they're a fun read yeah dan the best bit is if you ever see one you can look on the back and see what the what ifs are like mm. in, if you've got like a volume that has a couple of different ones in there. So yeah. if you've got like five different ones, just look and see which ones look most interesting to you. Grab one of them. It's a great short little bit of content that yeah. gives you the feel of a comic book without feeling like you're completely lost. Um, it also shows how well the, the show did. 
to warrant them to like push it more. Yeah. Um. Maybe it's good news. Maybe it's not. El Muerto. The um Sony Spider Verse Bad Bunny spin off about the Spider Man villain who literally has made one appearance in comic books ever has uh been cancelled. Sorry, well, delayed indefinitely. Yeah, delayed indefinitely. Um due to the writer's strike. But then because bad because of this delay, uh Bad Bunny's tour schedule is so hectic now going forward, he probably won't be able to film anything. So, and they don't want to do it without him, apparently. It's hilarious because about two weeks ago, when we were struggling for a topic, mm. I was going to do a topic around like stuff that seems to have disappeared. And mm. I, I was looking, I was like, we've not heard anything about El Muerto for a while. Was that like a prank? And then this has come up out of nowhere. Which just made do you know what I think kind of also happened? They. Obviously, the delays, I think it would have got paused anyway. I think after Morbius and the reception that this character got, everyone got, what the fuck? And let's be honest, they're going to hear the outcry about Craven, whether they want to care or not, is another thing. Yeah. But like those things all piled in. As soon as the writer strike happened, they were probably like, oh, it's fine, just shelve that. We don't want to waste the money on it. Yeah. Like, it's not worth the money. It's not a surprise. Not a surprise. Yeah. Content championship. Yes. It's been a long episode, this. It has been. It's content season again. Andor versus WandaVision. Do you want to just chalk up the winner now? No. I, <laughs> I feel like you're doing WandaVision dirty. I feel like you bought into the anti hype that came out after the show. Who said I was going against WandaVision? I know what you prefer. <laughs> no, you don't. You don't know me. <laughs> yes, I do. Okay. Um, so, as always, personal relevance, how well it has aged, rewatchability, story, acting, and cinematography slash general visualiness. Mm-hmm. Um, would you like to start, or shall I start? I'm happy to start. I mean, personal relevance... Like- We've, I mean, they've both come out in the last five years. I can't remember when One Division came out now. It's been a while. Two years ago. There's only two. Feels uh, longer. I want to say it was 2021. It might have been 2020. So, yeah. We've, it was 2021. Within, 2021. Okay. So, two, three. So, within the last three years. So, they're both pretty fresh in yeah. the grand scheme of things compared to some of the stuff we talked about in this section. Um, WandaVision kind of kicked off MCU TV. It was like the big kickoff for Disney Plus and the big kickoff for like the TV shows. And yeah. came out before we started doing this podcast. It did. Um, Andor came out during the podcast. It's been a great content section for a while. We loved it. Um, it's filled a gap pre a film we both love. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a universe I love a lot more. Uh, so I think for me, personal relevance kind of leans towards Andor purely because of how much I love Rogue One and Star Wars. I'd, re- I'd like, don't get me wrong, don't hate WandaVision or anything, but it's just like, none has any like 
they don't have the ability to have any like childhood re relevance or anything to like boost it. It's kind of just like how it feels nowadays, sort of thing. Yeah. See, so, yeah, I mean, I, um, I lean more Andor for me. So for Andor, I put best Star Wars show, um, and it elevates my favorite Star Wars film in Rogue One. Yeah. Um, for One Division, all I could really say was it's the first MCU Disney Plus show. Mm. It set the initial bar very high for the Disney mm. Plus shows, despite its pacing issues. And it did have pacing issues. Yeah, well, they, they all did at that point. Um, and I think the only thing that people haven't tried to make a problem since is uh, um, the CGI from that. No one's complained about the CGI from that at all. No. Everything after it, people have complained about CGI. No one complained about the look of WandaVision or the CGI of it. It's because it was the first one they had to nail it. And they, it had a ridiculous budget. Yeah. And build it. Okay. So I feel like we both lean and all there. Yeah. Which kind of understandable when we both love Rogue One so much. Andor, Andor had me ready to start a fucking revolution. <laughs> yeah. I, I know I know. for like me that's not saying much. I'm always like <laughs> one bad day away from becoming a rebel. But like it really had me ready to tear the establishment down brick by fucking brick. Uh, and how well it's aged. Now, these haven't had long to age. No. Um, some less than others. Like, Andor's had, like, hardly any time to age. But... Yeah. I'd like to think WandaVision's aged quite well, considering I feel like we look back on some of the other MCU shows a bit more harshly than we do WandaVision. Maybe that's rose-coloured glasses a little bit, because it was the first... Rose-tinted Rose-tinted. Uh, I knew what I meant. Because uh, it was the first one, and it was so unique in its styling. Um, also, Andor's aged well. Like, we're very hyped for the second season. We love Rogue One. Like, it's added things to Rogue One like that we didn't think about. So it's kind of hard on this one. It's very even, in my opinion. So, for Andor, I said it's far too soon to say. I don't mm. think it will age badly, but I think it's just far too soon to say. Yeah, yeah um, that's fair. With WandaVision, I still think it's too soon to say, but we're at a point in the MCU where every bit of content at some point, the entire fan base turns on it and starts hating it. Yeah. So when WandaVision was coming out, my timeline every week was just people jizzing their pants over it. And then six months later... Everyone was acting like they despised it and they never enjoyed it. Yeah, everyone was acting. It was such a weird style. So yeah. weird. Um, and I think that's going to damage it long term purely because you're going to have people who watched it a little bit later were looking on Twitter to see what people were saying when they were watching it. And they're mm. just seeing people shitting on it and they're letting that color their opinion. For I... me personally, it's still too soon to say how well it's Yeah. Aged, but I think the fandom in general has hurt how well it's going to age. A little bit. I do think there's kind of the premise there, which with the way the MCU is going, that like it could age well in the fact that like things that happen in one vision might play a bigger part down the road, i.e. white vision. Yeah. Like we still don't know what's going on with that. Like there's things there that like it's set up and in those terms, like it could 
have played a good enough part that like okay that's aged actually quite well it was it was quite an important point in the story of setting things up and people look back on it again and go okay we're maybe we're a bit harsh there uh, but like, yeah, I do agree. Like, these are very, it's very early to say with these shows, especially Andor. Yeah. Put it this way, I've already seen people trying to claim um, WandaVision wasn't that bad as a hot take. <laughs> I think the fact that no one's turned on Andor really kind of gives it the edge here, but like, it's yeah. kind of, they're both even ish because it's. So okay. soon. You just can't tell, can you? Yeah. I think once season two of Andor comes out, we'll be able to tell how well it's aged. Yeah, I agree. Based on like that week or two before it, if everyone's losing their mind waiting for it, it's aged mm. well. Yeah. Um, rewatchability, Andor very high, One Division mid to high. They're both well-contained solo stories, but they are also well executed and adds to their respective extended universes. Yeah. I kind of had like would watch Wonder if I need to remind myself for something upcoming. Um, wouldn't be against watching again. Andor could quite happily sit and watch Andor, especially after season two, and watch Andor season one, season two, and Rogue One. Like I could quite happily sit there and watch that as like a little sub, like Star Wars binge sort of thing, because yeah. it's a good, like you say, well-contained story. Um. Story for both, I put a 10 out of 10. I don't think either of the story put a fucking foot wrong the entire time, and I'll die on that hill. The only... So I would put Andor above kind of on pacing of Wanda. But is that the story's fault, or is that... Because if we're saying that's the story's fault, I can agree with that. But the way it's portrayed doesn't make it the story told if that makes sense i suppose that could be in cinematography but it's well, like you, you you could say very easily that if one division had two or three more episodes there would have been no pacing issues and the story would have been the exact same true which is why i had it as a 10 if we want to say pacing issues come out of the story category one division drops down to an eight that's fine i i feel like it's hard that where to put the pacing thing because if you want to treat it as like they had six episodes and they didn't get the story spread out properly or well, that's why you... i put that's why i put uh about the pacing issues in my personal relevance bit because that's uh, like my general feelings about it yeah okay i can yeah no i can understand that and yeah i mean the story in its whole is decent so it's, yeah, no, it is unfair, I guess, to to take that out on, on the story. Yeah, imagine the writers written this beautiful story. They think they've got twelve episodes, and they're like, uh, eight. Yeah, it's fair. Like... <laughs> um, I don't know. I guess I slightly lean to Andor because I'm biased, and I love the story build up for Rogue One. I and think the... Andor is a more compelling story, but the way the stories are told and executed are perfect. Yeah. It's just Andor has a stronger starting point. Yeah, and it plays into a bigger thing. Yeah. And, you know, just anti-fascism and imperialism. <laughs> it's, 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 it's an easy W, it's cheap. <laughs> it, hit, it hits all the points for you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, acting. I just have Andy Circus, incredible. <laughs> the exact same thing. <laughs> <laughs> 
Okay, moving on. <laughs> in, in, in block capital letters, I just have Andy Circus. <laughs> Honestly, I think his performance alone in Andor just takes this category. Just that one scene where he's talking to the entire prison. Honestly, yeah. inject well, the, those two if episodes. You could, if you could bottle how I felt during that scene and sell it. You'd be a billionaire mm. in five those, minutes. Those two episodes, from like the build-up of him realizing what's going on to that speech. Like, just an incredible performance. And I mean, also, we got the speech from Lupin, which yeah. was also incredible. Um, I mean, for one vision, don't get me wrong, the acting was great. They did very good. good. Yeah. I, I said, especially MCU. where the acting was good was right in the middle, mm. where the facade of the beginning was starting to collapse. Yes. And you got to see like the the people in the town in like that conflicted state. Yeah, weird in to... between. Yeah, I think that was when the acting was really at its best because it gave you this perfect level of unnerving, like what the fuck is going on. Yeah, no, I would agree with that. But Andy Serkis, so yeah, it's unfortunate. It's the, and, cinematography just... is really difficult for me here. Yeah, because here's the thing, Andor is Visual. just gorgeous. Yeah. Just like Rogue One. Visually stunning. It, it makes space look like the most beautiful thing ever. But I'm also an absolute sucker for trying things and being unique and different. And WandaVision has that yes. in spades. The, the way that they rotated through sitcom styles and was able to do like in that in such a creative way. And to do that as their opening MCU show and like really throw the like that was a gamble that people yeah. would enjoy that. I think they stuff like that is incredible as well. Because it wasn't just like the changing of the outfits and the mm. color palette or anything. No. It was the camera shots they were using were how they did it in them mm -hmm. sitcoms. And then it also gave you the juxtaposition when we saw the facade breaking and you got them different camera angles. You knew this wasn't how Wanda wanted something to happen. It was a masterpiece. Mm. And they're both phenomenal in very different ways, which makes it... It's like saying, I do feel... you want the best burger in the world or do you want the best pizza in the world? And yeah. if you're a pizza or a burger guy. The only thing that I feel maybe for cinematography is, like, Star Wars, even in Andor, had some incredible scores and stuff that also added to it. And, like, things like that that really kind of almost took the TV show to a cinema-feeling level. Where WandaVision definitely just felt like a TV show. So okay, but I obviously that's what it's meant to go for. I raise your counterpoint okay. on music. Andor didn't have Agatha all along. <laughs> I mean, true, was that not a story? <laughs> no, the song. Oh, I thought you meant as in like Agatha was no, there. No. Oh, no, I, the, okay, the, the sorry, song. yeah, the song. I forgot about the yeah. song. Oh my god, you um, just opened a memory. <laughs> I mean I think yeah. I mean I think we both know Andor wins. Yeah, but not by as but, far but, as I was but, making out. Yeah, but it sucks for WandaVision, because th there are definitely some stuff on here that WandaVision just solos about even worrying about. Yeah. It's it's almost like the ones where Andor doesn't win like there's a lot of just neck and necks. Yeah. Because they're both great. And unfortunately it's just like Andor just tips it in a couple where I think, it's like... 
I think what we could do is sit here and say objectively they are pretty even. Yes. But based on our personal, personal preferences. Yeah, yeah. Our personal and bias. And and yeah. And I mean, it's our fucking content championship. We can be biased. It's our show. But I don't want anyone to leave here thinking we hate One Division. We don't. We love no. it. It's just Andor is One Division actually guy. top MCU show, to be honest. Um, top what else we have? We've had, we've had She-Hulk. We've had Miss Marvel. We've had Moon Knight. Captain America. We've had What If. Oh, well. Uh, Falcon. Falcon Winter Soldier. Yeah, no, it's probably one for me. Um, Moon Knight would have usurped it if it also didn't have pacing issues. Yeah, no, you're probably right. So... Don't goes wrong. We we do like the show. It was great, but, but we can't miss Andor. But I would literally trade Hori in for Andor season two. <laughs> I'd literally hand you over to Disney right now. It's like, can I have Andor season two? Here is a large <sighs> northern man with a beard. <laughs> Andor season two is going to be so good as well. I'm I'm so ready. Um, but that is it from us this week. Yes. A big boy week. Um, thank yeah, you for hanging was. out with us. Um, Next make week. Sure you're, I was just saying, next week's Secret Invasion episode two. Episode two. Yeah. Any. San Diego Diego's not yet. No, San Diego's like middle of next month. Okay. And we've no uh, films on the horizon other than Oppenheimer? Yeah, that's a month yesterday. Is that still a month? Okay. Yeah, we're, we're getting into like prepping for chaos. Okay, well. Um, and that's the way it is. Um, but we will catch you next week. Thank yep. you very much for hanging out. Make sure you liked, make sure you subscribed. Indeed. We'll catch you in the next one. We'll catch you in the next one.